I want to talk to you about being in the presence of God today. Uh, so if you would turn into Psalm 84, that would be good. We're going to get there in just a moment. Psalm 84. Uh, I'm excited uh, to share with you this morning some things that the Lord has laid on my heart. We've already experienced this morning the presence of God. I've learned this about God. He's faithful. Um, on, on my computer, I have, a, I, have a little, I have a little file on there that says ideas. Uh, there's times where I'll be in my devotion time and I'll have a little thought that I think is good. It may develop into something someday and it may not. So when it's not readily available to be used, the Lord hasn't said, go speak this. I'll throw it in my idea folder. And what I'm going to share with you this morning came out of my personal devotions over a year ago that I've had stuck in my idea folder for a while. And I've gone back and looked at it about seven or eight times and I've never had the release to share it this morning. And uh, I felt released to do it and and, uh, I said, okay, Lord, we're going to talk about it. And I'm talking about being in the presence of God in, in, in both of our services today. What has happened here has not been manipulated by Pastor Bob whatsoever. Uh, the Lord moved. And the Lord directed and changed our direction differently in both services a little bit. And uh, it's exciting that God, when he, 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 uh, he clears you to speak something, He confirms it. And uh, it's, it's a blessing this morning to see Him move like He has. You know, the presence of God... It's vitally important for all of our existence as believers. It's vitally important for everything in our lives, day in, day out, what we do. No matter what you do, it's important you need the presence of God in your life. You've got to walk in the presence of God. You need to live in the presence of God. I'm not telling you to be weird. I'm not telling you to be one of these people that you walk into the grocery store. Oh my goodness, Lord. Ha! Green beans is on sale. Ha! Getting me some green beans. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual awareness consistently of God. His presence. Do you know that God never leaves you? There's nowhere you can go from His presence. There's nowhere you can... You may feel like He's a, a billion miles away, but He is not. He is there. And it's as simple to find Him, as simple as saying the name Jesus. Jesus. We've sung his name this morning. Yes. You know, I, as Miranda pulled all these songs this week. She had no idea. I didn't know what she was doing really until Thursday. And uh, she didn't know what I was doing, what I was preaching on. And, and I'm going through worship practice. And I hear the song, strip everything away till all I have is you. Undo the veils till all I see is you. I will pursue you. I will pursue your presence. And then, I'm, and then, you know, shout to the Lord. I'm like, wow, you resurrected one. That's a good one though, isn't it? It's a good one. From the mid-90s or whatever, pull that bad boy out, let's do it. And in there it's talking about His name. And I'm, during worship practice... I played the. I, I was practicing the electric. I didn't. David, it's good to have David come back. He's he's working Sundays so much. It's hard to grow up, isn't it, buddy? <laughs> so I was being nice to him. I said, "Sure, you can play the electric." But I told him in text. I said, "I'll be honest with you. It's hard to give it up this week because I I was enjoying practice. So so I I got to stand over the side and worship. I haven't done that for a long time. Good to have Steve leading out. Where'd Steve go? He's not in here, is he? He's stepping out still. Steve-O singing out, to, singing out to him. And all of it just was working together. And I, and I saw all these things at practice Thursday night. And I'm like, oh, God, you are so good. Jesus. 
It's that name, folks. It doesn't matter what you're in the midst of, where you're at, what you're going through. If you can stop, I, the first service, I said, if you're driving down the road and you just go, Jesus. And I said, wait, don't close your eyes. <laughs> Pull over. <laughs> the presence of God, do you know we were designed for it? God wants us to know Him. God wants us to be mindful of Him. God wants us to walk in His presence. Our core values, one of our core values is that we're a church that believes in the manifest presence of God. And we believe it's necessary for our lives. So as I share with this with you this morning, look at Psalm 84. The psalmist says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, for the living God. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist longed to be in the courts of God. He longed and desired to be where God's presence was dwelling. Now, we have to understand, he's talking about the beauty and the presence and the opportunity to be in the presence of God. We have to make sure that we understand that he's not talking about the beauty of the temple. He's not talking about the beauty of of all the articles inside the temple. Even though those things are beautiful. Amen? You know, you're talking about wood overlaid with pure gold and and, and, and all the things in there. Listen, what he's talking about and what he's longing for isn't some man-made God. He's looking for the living God. He's not looking for created things. He's looking for the Creator. And he says, that's what I long for. So when he's talking about the temple, when he's talking about his courts or the place where God dwells, he's not talking about the walls. He's not talking about the pomegranates uh, carved into things. He's not talking about the articles inside. He's talking about the presence of God. He's saying, I long to be where you are. And I yearn for it. My body yearns for it. My flesh cries out. My spirit cries out. Something within me. Wants to be there. Now see, back in his day, the, the psalmist day, to get to where the place is where God dwells, you had to go there. Now, it didn't mean that God was removed. It didn't mean that God was removed and only there. God was everywhere. God's too big. He can't be contained inside the walls of the man built. But these individuals had to go to the temple. They had to journey there. They had to walk there. And this individual is saying, I want to be there. God, today, in my mundane life, in my regular life today, I, this where I want to be is I want to be with you. I want to walk into your courts. And I can imagine, I could imagine him walking in to the outer courts where the people are, where sacrifice is taking place up in front of them, and, and, and animals are, are making noise, and people are laying their hands on the animals and being slaughtered, the whole process of it. But his desire isn't even animal sacrifice. He's not there just to, God, I'm not just here to kill an animal. And if he was a priest and was able to go through into the holy place, which is that door, as soon as you go into the, to the, the, t- the temple, he walks in, and over here to the left is the candle. The candlestick. The only light in the room is lit by this candlestick. Looks like a menorah and it's oil fed and burning off the top. 
To the right over here, he sees a, another golden table with showbread on it, the bread that the priests could eat when they served before the Lord. And there was probably a warm, fresh aroma coming from that. Because it had to stay fresh. And right in front of him, as he would walk in, would be the table of incense where it would, it would burn before the Lord. And, and that table was right there giving an aroma to the Lord. And just on the other side of that aroma was the curtain that separated. That's where he wanted to be. But he wasn't one to be in there to see the Ark of the Covenant, even though he would know what was in there. Yeah, would he be excited for his eyes to gaze? Most definitely. Yes, he knows Aaron's staff is in there. Yes, he knows the law is inside the Ark. Yes, he, he gets there's angels at the top with their wings pointing toward one another. But what he wanted was right in the middle on top of that mercy seat, and that's the presence of God. When he talks about the temple, when he talks about going into the courts, he's not yearning just to be there. Yes, it's the place, but what he wanted was the presence. Who knows? Maybe I could be like Abraham and I could hear the voice of God. Maybe I could be like Moses and the Lord would speak to me from the other side of the curtain. But really, folks, what kind of a relationship, how much of a relationship can you have with somebody behind a curtain? The Lord never invited us to play the dating game with Him. He never invited us to to interview Him from a distance. He wanted us to throw ourselves into Him and to learn about Him and to be part of Him. We know that because Jesus prayed it, didn't He? Lord, make them one with us as You and I are one. And make them in You as I am in You and them in me and You and them and all this stuff, this prayer. That is the desire of God. And God loves it when somebody finally gets it. And they say, God, I want that too. I want it too. This moment that we had this morning, some of us may have been uncomfortable. But God wants you to desire His presence. Because you know what? He desires yours. He desired your presence so much that He became present on the earth. And He told the disciples, Don't worry, I'll come again. And I'll take you to be where I am. So that where I am, you may be also. I know life's busy. I know there's a lot of things going on in life. But this prayer of this psalmist is who we need to be. Let's keep looking at it. Verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. The psalmist moves in from saying, God, I hunger for you and I thirst for you into this process of argument. He says, Lord, there's a sparrow. I remember the last time I was at your temple that I was there and my eyes looked up and I caught out of the corner of my eye birds flying in and out of places that I can't go. And I saw a sparrow there, Lord, that was able to perch in your building, in your temple, every night and raise her young there. God! The psalmist was talking about the compassion and mercy of God because we know 
But mankind didn't have the privilege at the time this was written to approach God freely. That if he just nonchalantly walked in behind the veil like we sang about this morning, he'd drop dead. But yet there's this little bird. You ever been in Walmart? It's like, why are there birds in here? Get out of here. You're not supposed to be in here. Apparently the same thing happened at the temple of God. But what a sign of compassion. This little bird was a part of God's creation. Dirty. Dirty, but sinless. Dirty, but allowed to approach God. Yet another sign of the compassion and love of our Savior. We know that the Father feeds the birds. We know, according to Jesus, that the Father loves the birds. And we know that the Father knows every time one of the sparrows falls to the ground. Amen? So next time you're driving down the road and a stupid one's flying two feet off the ground. Why do they do that? you got the whole blue sky to fly in and this jerk bird is flying two feet off the ground. And you hit it. So when you do, just say, the Lord saw that. But we know the Father loves the birds. And we know that we're more valuable to Him than birds. We're more valuable to Him than many sparrows, the Scripture says. Amen? And this bird was able to go places that we couldn't. This bird was able to go in and out and to enjoy itself, and to raise its young at the temple. This bird was able to go and build its nest in places, and live in places that people were restricted to go. We also have to remember that birds usually represent in Scripture things that are usually sinful, or that which is unclean or wicked. When Jesus talked about, uh, for example, the, uh, the seed and the sower, and, and, and the, the sower throws the seed down onto the hard path, and, and it doesn't get to sprout up because it doesn't sink in. The ground's hard, so the Scripture says that birds come and pluck it away before it has a chance to grow and sprout. And Jesus makes clear that it's the, it's the working of the evil one or the wicked one that steals the word away before somebody has a chance to respond to it. You see in Scripture where it talks about, Jesus uses the parable, says the kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed, which is a small seed. You put it in the ground, and the plant that grows up becomes the largest in the garden, and the birds of the air come and rest in its branches. Some people have a twist on that that says that's a representation of, of evil working its way in, and others will say that the church is a place of rest for those who need Christ. However, way, Whatever way you look at it, the bird is a symbol of something that is nasty and unclean. But folks... It had access. We have access. We know that the access was made. And we know that the psalmist is expressing the awesome privilege this little bird has. But what hope this little bird has it must have brought the psalmist an inspiration to desire the freedom to enter into places reserved only for only the holy. I can only imagine him looking up and saying, Father, I too am unclean, but please. Father, I too am unclean, but please. I long for your presence. I too know that I'm unclean. 
He longed to be near God. There was a barrier that was there. It was a protection because he couldn't be brought in. His uncleanness was different from the birds. Thirdly, let's look at this. The characteristics of those who dwell in the presence of God. This is what this guy wanted. He said, Lord, I long to be in your presence. Secondly, you let little birds into your presence. That's his argument. Thirdly, he says, this is who I want to become. Look at verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Selah meaning to stop and reflect and think about what was just said. Those who dwell in the presence of God are people of praise. Listen, the world doesn't always understand our praise. The world doesn't always understand why we praise. They don't understand why somebody can come to church and sing a song and tears run down their face and hands up in the air. They don't understand why somebody may move a little bit. Some of them are like, Pastor Bob, he's going to move. Look at that. Look at that. We, We don't understand it. The world doesn't understand it. I know this, that sometimes people will judge you for your praise. Some people will think negative of you for your praise. But a person that's full of the power of God is a person that's full of praise. And let me just tell you this. In, in the same way uh, he's talking about becoming a man of praise, it's, it's, it, it doesn't mean we come together and sing a song and that, that's praise. A person that's full of the presence of God, a person that pursues the presence of God, a person that walks in the presence of God, their life will become praise. It's not just about singing a song. Suddenly we don't say the things we used to do. Suddenly we don't do the things we used to do. Suddenly we're more about praising and blessing God than we are about praising and blessing ourselves. And I can tell you what happens. I've seen it a thousand times over. Somebody will get a hold of God, or rather God get a hold of them, and something changes in them, and then suddenly the people around them start saying, what's the matter with you? Something different. And I wish I could tell you, child of God, that they're going to be thrilled that you've become a person of praise, but people aren't always thrilled when you become a person of praise. Because biblically, when I look in Scripture, I don't always see people gathering around people that are full of exuberant praise, going around and saying, oh, you were, so, you, were, you were such a blessing to me. I love to watch you praise. You were such a blessing. Keep it up. Never have seen that happen. But what I see in Scripture is David dancing before the Ark of the Covenant as they're bringing him to the city. And uh, he's in a linen ephod dancing in circles and praising and worshiping God. The king, the leader, the ruler humbled himself and said, look, he's worth it. And then his wife, Saul's daughter, says, what in the world were you doing? Seeing you unclothe yourself and and to, to act a fool in front of people. What are you doing? He said, I'll become more undignified than this. David was a man of praise. And he wasn't seeking the praise of men. He was a man of praise, not seeking the praise of men. He was seeking God. And he found him. I can't help but think of the day that Jesus is reclining at the table. Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, reclining at the table. How how cool would that be just to get to hang out with a guy that was dead a little while back ago? And everybody's just there eating. Mary comes in and anoints him with her tears and her hair washing his feet. Judas. Good old Judas. Don't you just love Judas? Every church has got one, by the way. Judas goes, hey, (laughs) somebody's going, 
Right now, everybody's reenacting the Last Supper. Is it I? Lord, is it I? <laughs> he, he goes, what a waste. This could, have, this could have been sold and the money used to feed the poor. Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. She has prepared my body. What she's done here is a good thing. As a matter of fact, he said, her name will be remembered for this moment. Woman of praise. Not everybody's going to like your praise, but I promise you that if you become a person that pursues the presence of God, you'll become a person of praise. How many of us think that it would be wise to go into even an earthly king's uh, court with uh, an, an arrogant attitude and full of myself? How many of us know that if we walked into a king's court, that we wouldn't just run our mouths and just say whatever we think we want to say? We wouldn't. And if you're walking in the presence of God, you'll behave differently. Amen? You will behave differently. Things are going to look... It doesn't mean Pastor Bob laid out 25 rules for you to follow uh, or or told you everything. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. But I I encourage you to pursue and seek Christ. And as the Spirit of God becomes more real to you, you're going to look and act differently. And thank God for it. I've learned this about people. As long as there's separation, they have boldness. And what I mean by that, I don't know if any of you are all on uh, social media of any kind. When there's a separation, there's a boldness. People say the dumbest things. It's like, why did you say that about that person on here? I've noticed that people won't say stuff to somebody's face, but they'll go home and get behind a screen and a keyboard where there's some separation and say it to the whole stinking world. Why do we, why do we, I, I never, it ceases to amaze me. I'll sit there and say, why? And some of you probably said that about me. Why did Pastor Bob put that up? <laughs> People I've learned are bold when they think they're alone, even when they know they're not alone. Likewise, if we forget the presence of God is with us in our lives all day, every day, and we have made ourselves alone, we're going to do things that dishonor God like you would not believe. But if we are mindful that He is with us, because I can promise you, He sees it all, He hears it all, He knows it all before you even do it. But I sure want to live a life that honors Him. I want to be a man of praise. I want to be somebody that's so full of the presence of God that that, uh, my lips now will stop with the lying and the gossip and the slander and the division and all those kinds of things. You know, if we're walking in the presence of God, we're going to stand in His courts all day long and then we're going to do things differently. If we remember that the Lord just heard me say that, the Lord just know I looked at that, The Lord knows that I just had that conversation. The Lord knows I just went there. I did this thing. I did that. And the Lord knows that if you realize and recognize and you want to please God, if you are a person in pursuit of the presence of God, it will change your life because you'll remember the Lord saw that. Next, the characteristic of a person who walks in the presence of God. Verses 5, 6, and 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. People who walk in the presence of God are people of strength. They're people of praise and they're people of strength. 
Few have ever understood the strength that a martyr will have. Somebody like Stephen, when you look in the book of Acts, and Stephen, who was killed for his faith, sat there and the scripture says that as he was dying, he had the face of an angel. That's strength. That's supernatural strength. You can go through the history in the book of martyrs or other things like that and see where people who were killed in the Roman Colosseums who, who, who were a greater testimony in their death than they could have ever been in their life. Jesus is a model of this. Jesus, who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, and gives his life up. He didn't, he didn't give his life up. Uh, they, they didn't take his life. He laid his life down. But he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, and, and for the work that happened on the cross, a Roman hardened Roman centurion soldier looks up and says, Surely this was the Son of God. We don't understand that kind of strength. But the psalmist says, God, I want to be so full of your presence. I want strength. We used to sing about it when I was in kids' church. I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. When I was a little kid and I thought, yeah, I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. Even a chubby little curly-headed kid like myself. But you know what? In the presence of God, there's great things that can be done. You don't have to be afraid You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to live your life consumed with fear and and regrets and and could have beens and should have beens or anything else. Listen, child of God, if you grab a hold of the presence of God and go forward to what He's anointed you for, there is no way you can fail. And this man goes, "I I want that kind of strength. I want the kind of strength of those that were mentioned in Hebrews 11 that says the world was not worthy of them. But look at else what it said. Look what else it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. And again, I already said this. What he's talking about here is going to the temple. And for those people who are coming out of the countryside to go into the temple to worship, it was a pilgrimage. It was a journey. Would they come in for the feasts? Whether it be the, the, the Feast of Trumpets or all these different feasts that they had going on, they would have to walk in and there was a journey. Some of them they'd walk for days to get to the temple just to worship. Some of us say, well, I have to drive 10 minutes to church. I don't think I'm going to get up and do it today. Sorry, I'm just insulting you in a fun way. But these people walked. And it says the Valley of Baca. You know what Baca means? Weeping and tears. And on the way to, this, to the temple, they knew that they were going through the Valley of Baca. In other words, that they were going to hit dry valleys. They were going to hit valleys that were going to be hopeless. Valleys that seemed like you were going to have to really work to get through. It was going to be a struggle to get to the temple to worship God. Listen, the Valley of Baca is a place that's going to separate the religious from those who are really pursuing the presence of God. You hit a rough spot and you're religious, you're going to back out and say, I want to go back up to the mountaintop where everything was perfect. But the person who knows that there's something greater than systems and organization and, and religion. He says, I want the presence of God. I don't care what I have to go through to do it. But here's the strength part. This is what's so cool. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. You know what that means historically? Historically, what it means is the people who made those journeys knew that there were dry valleys they were going to go through. And they knew it was going to be difficult to pass. And they knew it was going to be hard because of the lack of water. So you know what they did? When they were there, they would dig holes and these pits would fill up with water from the rain coming off the mountainside. 
So you'd have a dry valley with a pool in it so that people could refresh themselves on the way to the house of God. Let me just stop for a second. In this Christian walk, this life that we call faith, there's some valleys of weeping and tears. I've been there. Has anybody else been there before? Is that just me? Listen, I'm not going to let a valley deny me from where God is taking me. I'm not going to let a a valley stop me. Valleys are going to happen, and they're going to happen again, and they're going to happen again, and you're going to have dry spots in your life, and you're going to have difficult times in your life. But if your desire is to get to what God's ultimate goal is for you, you don't turn around and go back to the top. You dig a well. This is a dry place that needs a well. And I'm going to dig in and I'm going to seek God and I'm going to find Him here. And you'll find yourself refreshed and you'll find yourself on the other side of that valley knowing that I'm going to hit it again. But when I go back, bless God, I know right right where to go because the last time I was there, I found refreshment. If you're in a valley today, a valley of weeping and tears, the Lord's not sent you there to destroy you. He sent you there to dig a well. He sent you there to stop, to dig in and say, God, what is going on? He will refresh you, child of God. And He will pick you up, and He will set you on your feet, and you'll keep right on going. And the cool thing is, is that when you've been somewhere before, somebody comes behind you, you can refresh them too. Valleys are going to happen, and it's part of our pilgrimage. It's part of our walk toward God. And it says right here that they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now this reference to Zion is talking about Jerusalem, and it's talking about the temple. But the reality of it is this. We know one day we're going to see God face to face. And His plan for us is to take us from strength to strength to strength. We see in the Scripture where it says from glory to glory. Amen? In the New Testament, it refers to it as glory to glory. What God wants to do in your life, child of God, is to take you from, from, from being a person full of yourself to seeking the praise of men to become a person that's praising God and to become a person that's not strong for yourself but is now strong for the work of God in your life. And He's growing you from grace to grace to grace. And I'm telling you that when we find this, we become passionate about it, He will transform our lives. We will become the new creation that God has called us to be. We won't look the same. We won't act the same. And we'll be strong in it. You ever get sick and tired of being somebody that's new in your faith? And maybe we've been new in our faith for 35 years and we're afraid to share that faith with somebody. That's not strength. God wants you full of his presence to the point to where there's a strength in you that says, Oh yeah, I'll show you where the water is. Come on with me. I've been there before. Let me show you where the pool is. And as they're drinking from it, you say, yeah, the day I dug this was a bad one. (laughs) It was a rough day. Let me tell you about it. And we can start sharing our faith because the goal is this, that every single one of us get to Zion. Every single one of us. You want to know the greatest thing that's going to happen for me someday in eternity? When I look to my right and my left and I see you. Look to my right and my left and behind me because you ain't going to be in front of me when I get to Jesus. I will knock you down. But I want to be able to do this. Till all get to Zion. Strength is not for myself. Strength is for us. Till we all get there. Amen? 
But let's, let's finish this up with his plea for his, his, cry, his final cry. He says, Father, I, I, I long for your presence. You let the little birds in, let me in, because I want to be a man of praise. I want to be a man of strength. And look at verses 8 through 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. He says, if I had a choice, Lord, if you said, I let you live a thousand days in the Bahamas. Right now, everybody's going. It's like, wait, we had 72 degree weather yesterday. Yes, yes. Keep talking, pastor. I'm on board with this. I want more. If I give you a thousand days in the Bahamas or one day in the Holy of Holies in my presence. Which would you choose? And the psalmist says, one day in your courts is better. If I had 24 hours left in my lungs and I had a choice to, expend that, to extend that to a thousand on a beach or 24 in your presence, not even a question. And he says this, he says, please just... I don't have to be anything special. Don't you love the humility? Make me a doorkeeper. Make me the guy that just opens the door. I don't care what I do. I just want to be where you are. Put a little red circle hat and a little bellboy jacket on me. I don't care. I'll open the door for people gladly because I just know you're right there. Some of us need to get back to this. This kind of understanding, this kind of passion that says, I understand who you are, God, and I want more of you. See, the problem is this. Mankind became self-sufficient. Because mankind sinned in the garden. He was cast out of the presence of God. He was restricted. He was sinful. He could not go behind the Holy of Holies. He could not go and see God face to face. No man shall see the face of God and live. After the fall of man. There was no way. So we got comfortable. We got comfortable. We got so comfortable that we no longer were comfortable where we were created to be. You say, what do you mean by that? We were as created to be in the presence of God as a fish was created to be in water. Supposed to, with every breath of its lungs, of its gills, it would pass in and out. They're not only in the water, but the water is in them, and they're part of it, and they they breathe, and they're excited. They live in the water. Fish has to have water. You ever heard the expression, "Eh, like a fish out of water? Doesn't work, does it? I've caught enough fish in my life. You take them out, and after a while, they're like, And the gills get slower. And then there's always that one when you go to clean them that's been laying there still for like four hours and then the knife touches it, it's like... 
But even that one isn't going to make it. You know that. Because it's out of its area that it was supposed to live. It can survive for a while. But won't make it. You and I, we've got to have the presence of God. In the summertime, springtime, fall too, when, when the weather's nice, I like to go down by the river and read my Bible, sit in my little chair when the mosquitoes aren't too bad. Last year was awful. It was awful. God, destroy every mosquito in the name of Jesus. And uh, I, I love to sit down there, and when I do, I sit in there, and it's calm. The sun's coming up. It's a little chilly, and, and you, the water's really calm, and you hear a slap. And you look, and, and, and you didn't see the fish, but you see the ripple. And I always laugh because I always think those fish are like, uh, you know, they're, they're living on the edge. They're the, they're the envelope pushers, you know. These, those are like, the guys, they're like skydivers of the fish world. <laughs> it's like, I want to get out of this atmosphere into that one. It's like, dude, that was awesome. But a fish can only go out of the water for a moment and back in. You know, we've got it, we're, we're kind of like that. We've got it backwards, though. We were created to live in Christ. We were created to live in the presence of God. But once a week, we kind of stick our head out of it into the presence of God and then pull ourselves back out and go about our week. Then we show up, stick our heads into the presence of God again. I'm standing on the other side of it. I want to do this. Come on, man. Come in with me. This is where you're supposed to be. Every day, all day, walking in the presence of God. Mindful, aware that He's with you. Mindful, aware that He's protecting you. Mindful, aware that He's leading you. That He's directing your conversations. That He's bringing people across your path. That He's equipping you and enabling you to be able to minister to others. That's what God wants to do in your life. With every breath, people say, you know, God's closer to you than your very next breath. You know what? There's a lot of truth in that because it was God that breathed into man first. And this atmosphere that we're living in is Him. He surrounds us. He's in us. He's through us. He's outside of us. You cannot contain Him. We are in Him. But we need to be aware of Him. When when man fell, when man sinned against God, here's what happened. God knew it. God's omniscient presence already knew what man had done. But then God walked in and confronted man. His manifest presence confronted him. And man, for the first time, was uncomfortable in the presence of God. Usually, those moments are uncomfortable because we are not in right relationship with him. This is a church of presence. And if you're uncomfortable, we're not inviting you to leave. We're inviting you to jump in with us. You'll find your home, not here, but in the presence of God. If you are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I invite you to jump in with me. Let him surround you. Let him cleanse you of your sin. Let him cleanse you of your unrighteousness. Those regrets, those past things that you deal with and struggle with in your life, he can wash those away and you can move forward clean, new, whole, and just like that little sparrow, You can just fly into his presence anytime you want to. We don't have to be jealous of birds. We have a better thing. Amen? 
We are, according to the Scripture, the walking tabernacle of God. His Spirit dwells within us. And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter what hour it is. You just say, Jesus. I need you. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. Thank you. When we come to a place where we can approach Him, we can be thankful, praise, I promise you, you'll never be the same again. Once you've tasted His goodness, nothing else will taste good anymore. A dear friend was an alcoholic, got saved here in this church. Once he tasted Jesus, never had another drop. You guys, most of you know who I'm talking about, but it was such a miraculous work. He had lost jobs because of alcohol. He would lost all kinds of things because of alcohol. And suddenly, standing right here, was gone. Jesus. You bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your presence that's been here today. God, my prayer is that we we take that presence with us. We live out that presence. Father, there may be some folks here, I don't know, that don't know you. But I pray that your spirit would draw them to you. They too would be transformed by this same love. Your head's bowed. Is there anyone here who say, Pastor, that's me. I just need to, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to be able to walk in His presence. I'm done being jealous of birds. I just want to live out my faith with a God that loves me. If that's you this morning, just with a quick lifted up hand, I'm going to pray over you. It's an opportunity for you to acknowledge your faith. Man, I see that. Awesome. Anyone else today? Maybe you say, Pastor, I need to recommit some things in my life to Christ. I, I've served Him, but I'm just not... <laughs> he's, he's pulling me to a deeper walk and I, I need strength. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand up. I'm going to pray over you too. I see that. I see that. Awesome. Look at me for a second, if you will. I have, to, I have to admit, I was disobedient to God earlier. I forgot to say something that He told me to say. Is that okay? I promise you, take two seconds. When we finished worship and you were sitting down, the Lord spoke to my heart. You know what He said? Tell Him I, I'm happy with Him. Tell Him I'm happy with Him. I don't know who that's for. I don't know who's coming here today. Fearful and afraid that God doesn't love you and hasn't made an avenue for you, whatever. He's given up on you. Tell him I'm happy with him for being in his presence today. What father, what parent doesn't love for his children to come into his home? Even children that are away from him relationally. Tell him I'm happy with him. 
I'm going to pray over you. Father, I pray for those that raised their hands this morning.